Do you know the three indicators of burnout? That your brain can actually shrink in one area and enlarge in another? Or that gratitude may not work in your favor when in full burnout? Stay tuned. There's so much more in this episode that even surprised me. Really. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional and financial strain does not have to be your M.O. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Hello everybody, this is Nancy May with Doing It Best at Elder Care Success. And today is a special show. Well, (laughs) I think you're all getting used to all being special shows. But this is with a new friend, Kate Donovan, who I met at the Podcasters Conference or PodFest just the other week. And Kate is a keynote speaker, one of New York City's leading burnout experts and the host of a podcast called Pride or the Burnout Podcast. She is the author of a book called Bounce Back Ability Factor and her creative Bounce Back Recovery Solutions have been featured on podcasts and online magazines, including Forbes, NPR, Thrive Global, The New York Post, and many corporations who bring her in as guest experts to talk about corporate and personal burnout or how not to get pride. With that, Kate, thank you for joining us here. It's a pleasure to have you as my guest here on this show. Thank you for having me. I love talking about burnout, and I I like to have a, a new audience to share some good stuff with. Well, I'm not sure I like talking about burnout because... Maybe sometimes we just don't want to even admit that we've got it. Oh, that's true. But I can make it fun. I promise. So let's first just start with the definition of what burnout is. We use the term I'm fried a lot, but truly understanding the technical component of what burnout means isn't going to help us have better understand what state we're in at any particular point in time. So the World Health Organization has adopted a definition that was put forth by a researcher named Dr. Christina Moslock and her team of researchers. They've been researching burnout since I was born. So this is, they're 40 years in. You're not old enough to be fried. (laughs) (laughs) So it has, but it hasn't been 10 years. It has been 40. So she is the most renowned scholar of burnout. And the World Health Organization is now calling burnout an occupational hazard. And it requires three components. The first is physical and emotional exhaustion. So when I see this in clients, it is typically somebody who, for instance, used to, say, run three miles after work, and now they try to run those three miles and either they can't make it or they do it. And instead of it giving them energy and clearing their head, it fogs their head and and drains their energy, right? So the, the same kind of movement that used to feel good to you doesn't feel good anymore. And the emotional exhaustion to me is really clear in that When your day is planned and you sort of feel like you have a little bit of control and you're not going to fly off the edge, you, one person asks you for one thing, one extra task gets put on your plate, something happens you need to deal with and you lose it. You snap. Yep. You snap. Right. So that's the physical and emotional exhaustion component. The next component is cynicism and detachment. Now, the detachment works both ways, that you pull away from people, you pull away from your community, and also you feel isolated. So you're doing some pulling away and you feel alone. So let me ask you about that. When you pull away, you're going to be isolated. Yes. And so it's... You don't know that you're pulling away necessarily, though. Okay. You might... Sometimes you're blaming it on other people. 
you're feeling disconnected from people. There's a neurological basis for this. I'll explain in a moment, but you're feeling disconnected from people. So you're not engaging with them. So there's that portion that's combined with. And you blame it on others. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because you need an explanation and you're just looking for the simplest explanation. And that is the simplest explanation that comes combined with cynicism. So you're being negative. Everything is crap. There's, you know, nothing makes sense. All of that. The third component is a lack of productivity. So a loss of productivity and or a lack of an ability to notice your impact on the world, whether it's through your job or through caretaking or through whatever it is you're doing in the world, it feels like it just doesn't make any sense. It's not worth it, which is one of the reasons the productivity goes down, because there's no reason to engage in doing all of these things if your work doesn't matter anyway. So when I burnt out, I was a fertility acupuncturist and I stopped caring that people were getting pregnant. So you actually face burnout yourself. Yes, which is why I do this work. You have the physical, the emotional, everything that went along with it in order to be able to say, I've been there, done that. Now let me show you how to do this even better. Not to to burn out. (laughs) (laughs) So you need those three components in order to have a definition of burnout. But something that I think is critical to understand is that long-term stress, chronic stress, leads to changes in the brain. So this is a physiological thing happening that leads to some of these symptoms. So this is burnout is not something you can think your way through. It's not something you can push through. It's not something that will just go away if you don't address it. It physically happens to our bodies as well. But I think the brain is really important because it allows people to release some of the shame, blame, and judgment that might come with burnout. Mm -hmm. So there's a Two things that are mentioned frequently in the research, there are a host of other things that happen in the brain, but these two are especially important. One of them is that the front part of your brain loses cells. They call it thinning. Physically? Physically, you lose brain cells. Wow. And you lose brain cells in the part of your brain that's responsible for executive functioning, which means basically, quote unquote, adulting. It's planning, decision making, motivation, willpower connecting with other people, Hmm. right? So this disconnection happens because you lose your ability to mirror people's emotions. You don't feel connected to them because that part of your brain isn't working, right? Wow. Yes, this is wild. And then there's another part of your brain deeper in your emotional brain that instead of losing cells, it gets bigger, it enlarges. And when it enlarges, its job typically on a day-to-day basis is to be scanning your environment for threat, to make sure you're safe. And if you're not safe, it's supposed to start your fight or flight response so that you can fight back and save yourself. So that's the part that gets bigger. That part gets bigger, which means it gets hypervigilant, which means it's looking for more things and it's interpreting more threat. So you become more paranoid. You become jumpy, you know, like when... I don't want to say afraid of things, but you're you're suspicious. You can, it's mostly your your brain is suspicious. You might not feel that in your own head. Your brain is suspicious of things. So you might um, find that your phone rings and it startles you. Okay. Yep. Right. And it just means that you're going to have a lot of strong emotional reactions because you're constantly feeling unsafe. And your nerves are going to be on like total edge, right? All the On time. edge all the time. Exactly. And this front part of your brain has one more function. Its job is to regulate your emotions. 
So when this part of your brain acts up, normally the front of your brain will sort of scan the information and say, okay, do I need to react to this or do I not? Just chill out a little bit, right? Yeah, like, can I talk you off the ledge or not? But when you're burnt out and that emotional part of your brain is on fire. And you're going to go right over that ledge. You're going to go right over the edge. So now we're back to that emotional component, that emotional fatigue that we mentioned in the beginning. So all of these things have a neurobiological basis. This is just fascinating. It, it's blowing my mind a little bit. Yes, it blew my mind too. We've all been there a little bit mm -hmm. at some point in mm -hmm. the course of our life. I don't know anybody personally who hasn't been through this at some point, especially mm -hmm. if you're raising children. But I've seen it with friends. I've seen with family members who just like snap. Yeah. And, you, and it's constant snapping because something's going on and yeah. added pressures. But when this this happens to even identify it is it's like the light bulb goes off yes. right we've just described some of these issues how difficult is it for people to actually say that's me and admit it i think it's becoming easier because we are actually working on the definitions refining the definitions there's a lot more people talking about it now when i started doing burnout research was 2016 i couldn't find anything Really? It's now been six years. There's, I well, I found a year's worth of research to read through, if I'm perfectly honest, but it was all by the same team of people. <laughs> that, that's not very long. And this, this issue has no. been going on for centuries. Yes. So there was a, about a year's worth of research to pile through, which I did. And now in the past six years, especially the past two and a half years, mm -hmm. there's been so much research that I can't even keep up. So what were the triggers other than, I'm thinking COVID times, right? You've got two years yeah. out, but that's two out of six. And the definition of burnout was accepted by the World Health Organization in 2019. The acceptance of burnout on the level of the World Health Organization is what tripped the wire for the research. Because now that it's a real thing, according right. to a, an entity, now you can get money for it. You couldn't get money for it before. So now we come back to a financial gain for a particular illness or affliction yes. or yes. sense of whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm not sure mm -hmm. I want to call it an illness, but maybe. It I is, think it's an illness. It is a physical. A syndrome. Syndrome, maybe. yeah. It's something that can impact our body that can create other illnesses, right? Absolutely. So it's a trigger. So it's been six years, but let's get back to even identifying that we've got this because just even knowing about these symptoms doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is willing to admit that's me. So what are the ways to even consider saying, I've got this problem. I may have one symptom. But I don't have all of them. If you don't have all of them, it's not burnout. If you don't have all of them, it's not burnout. No, you may be on the way burnout to burnout. Is, you might be on the road, but in order to call something burnout, all three of those things have to be present. So emotional, physical exhaustion, cynicism and detachment, and lack of productivity slash impact. Hmm. I am thinking, and we, ha we had a little bit of a, a preamble conversation, how many times in a corporation's environment hmm. that if an HR department or a boss saw somebody with these symptoms, it may not necessarily be symptoms, but it's, it's just the way that people react in a situation that they could have saved a good employee a lot right mm -hmm. i think it's huge it's not just a bad work environment but there's something that's going on behind the scenes that we as individuals are not willing to share in our work life 
and how much better that might be for the corporation, for ourselves and for our families and for clients ultimately. Mm-hmm. If we had the ability to feel, I'll use the term safe. And supported. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this goes back to our conversation, our preamble conversation, right? This sense of community, this sense of support, this social structures that are, are hard to come by in this country. Oh, you know, this is this is a lot to bite off right now. And <laughs> I, I've always been one for community, you know, for building communities in different yeah. pockets, typically business. It's just kind of the way I've been and what yeah. was brought up. Right. And then there's the community of sports and outside interests and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But letting somebody into my life early on that revealed some some prickly things, knowing that mm-hmm. mom or dad were maybe not in the best of health, that something was a little amiss, you know, sharing that is was scary. It was not easy. It is scary. Yeah. Certainly with close friends and families, like, ah, oh, unless I saw them going through it too, I was not willing to open up and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's but that's drilled into us here. So it's drilled into us to be tough, right? We are you're yes. all football players. We're a, we're a bootstraps. <laughs> yeah. So it, right? two two of the top 10 American values are individualism and hard work. Ooh, and the two don't necessarily work hand in hand. But we like them too. How much do we love a story where somebody was totally down on their luck and they managed to pull through it all by themselves. The underdogs. Yeah, we love right? it. And they did it all on their own. Yeah, which is so crazy. This is something that I talk to my burnout patients with a lot, that or clients at this point. I'm not practicing acupuncture at the moment, so so clients. This is an. I say, okay, sit down at your desk, look at your tools. How many people do you think needed to exist in order for you to have your speakers? How many people do you think needed to exist in order for you to have your lights, your camera, your computer, your keyboard, your mouse, your pen, your the roof over your head, right? Let's That's not even go there. Let's just look at That's what's in front of you, the markers, the pens, the pencils. How many people from the people that designed them to the people that actually make them to the people that made the machines that sit in the factories to the people that run the factories to the people that drive the trucks? Or the people that made the trucks that can get driven with the things inside of them from the manufacturing to the stores and the people that work at the stores and the people that stock the stores. The Amazon driver. The, Amazon, the Amazon driver to your front door. <laughs> Maybe your, your partner who passed you a pair of scissors to open the package. We've never, ever done anything by ourselves. And we forget our shared humanity more often than we remember it. Ooh, big, big, like, mind blow right there right? right we do feel that we are we are invincible by ourselves mm-hmm. but we are really destroyed by ourselves correct yeah well and there's an interesting part of stress research women were not included in stress research until the early 2000s well that was a dumb <laughs> but they said <laughs> the reasoning was men are similar enough to women so we don't you know there's that. So we'll just use men. Oh, hello. All healthcare studies. Right. right? All healthcare yeah. studies. And then they said because women have menstrual cycles and their hormones change so much, there's too many confounding factors. So it makes our studies more, it makes the studies more difficult. And as a researcher, it does actually make the study more difficult. That doesn't mean you cannot adjust for it. It also makes it more interesting. Otherwise, that, that, that's like a really. Yeah, but that excuse. was the reasoning behind it. So <laughs> since that time, we have learned that there's an entire 
different stress response system that exists in males and females, but is a little bit stronger in females. That's outside of the fight or flight that we always talk about, right? Everybody says, oh, there's stress, so you respond to fight or flight. Well, there's a whole other system that's called tend and befriend. Tend and befriend? Yes. So this is a benefit that we this have. This is a benefit then. that we have, and it is all built off of oxytocin. So tell me more about that. So oxytocin is the you know intimacy hormone, right? It's the yep. thing that happens when we're breastfeeding. It's It starts uh, contractions and birthing. It's about intimacy. It's about touch and all of these things. So oxytocin is enhanced when they're in the presence of estrogen, which is why we have this system a little bit more than men have it, because we have more estrogen. Although the estrogen levels decline as we get older. As we get older, absolutely. So that can work against us then? Um, it can, but you can increase it by keeping your community strong. Okay. Right? So the tend and befriend system happens alongside the fight or flight system and was designed to tend. So if you were in the middle of a jungle and you were being attacked by a neighboring tribe and the men were out catching a lion for food or whatever, and you're alone and your child starts crying, what do you need to do? You need to protect the child. Which means you need to hush the child and make sure the child feels safe so that it stops crying because if it keeps crying, these people will find you and kill and you. They're going to eat you. And yeah. the, right, <laughs> right. So we tend to others. We care, Dake, in fact, because it helps us stay off the radar, keeps us safe. We also befriend other women within our tribe mm -hmm. because the more people we have connected to us, the more access to resources we have. So I might not know how to you know, skin the lion, but Sally can do it. And this one is always knows which berries to do best. And this one knows how to pack things well so that we can carry more with us if we have to run. And this one does this thing. This is really interesting because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking that the tribal early man mm -hmm. component that we're talking about mm -hmm. here, the nurturing component that's naturally built into us as women yeah sets us up to be better caregivers of a frail spouse or an aging parent, naturally, whether we have children or not. I think that that is true, and but I think men have a lot of access to this that is dampened in current patriarchal ways all over the world. Because if you, you look at, there are some tribes that are still sort of way down, way out in the forests and way out in the deserts that have no access to modern world. And the, the thing about them is they never really get bigger than 100 to 150 people, because that's kind of the amount that we can handle as a community. Interesting. When it gets bigger than that, we, we start to ostracize people because we're concerned about resourcing. Mm. So 100 to 150 people seems to be sort of like the sweet spot. Right. And in that space, everyone is important and honored because everyone has to fulfill a function because everything has to get done. So in that space... Men are very nurturing. Because it's part of the tribal component to keep the yes. health of the yes. unit going. Yes. And they nurture by bringing in food and other things, and the women nurture exactly. by cooking and not necessarily right. killing and right. hunting, although maybe they do. I don't know. But they, sometimes they do. It depends. depends. Yeah, of course. Right? But, yeah. Kill a rabbit yeah. versus killing a... I mean, some some and there are tribes where the women are responsible for the big game. Right. You know, but that's a whole separate, that's a whole separate conversation. The point is that there's this other stress response that encourages us to be together and we're not using it well anymore. But we did start using it again once Facebook got popular and we started GoFundMe accounts. We started these, you know, like 
help me get through this thing. And you tell a story and everybody's like, oh, my God, you need help. And they send twenty dollars. That's the way it's functioning in our world now. Fascinating. So we've supplanted the face-to-face community group Mm. with a virtual environment where we can still support each other monetarily or emotionally Mm -hmm. in some other way. Mm -hmm. And who would have thought? I mean, everybody vilifies Facebook, right? Yeah. And this was actually a positive thing more so than maybe other communities. It's a hard hard toss-up, right? Because I think it's a great thing that that happens, but I think it allows us to still say stay separate in our day-to-day lives because we feel like we're contributing in some way. So we're still missing that face-to-face. That's that physical touch, the connection that, that fi- we need. Yeah. The, the sense yeah. of touch is so important. I think. It's incredibly important. It actually releases oxytocin. Right? Just to get a hug from somebody. Yes, 20 seconds, you get an oxytocin release of a 20-second hug. Wow. I I have to admit, growing up, hugging was not a thing in our family. Oh, no, mine neither. So at least I'm glad to hear that. But it was a thing in my husband's family. And the first couple of ones, I'm like, I almost recoiled, like, don't touch me, you're in my space. And now I'm I will hug anybody and everybody. And like, if I I care about you, it's like, give me a hug. Come on. It feels good for me, too. It's yeah. funny how that's changed so quickly. And as my parents got older, that bear hug that my dad would give me yeah. was so in- intoxicating is the yeah. only way I can describe it. There's a hormonal neurochemical response happening that tells you and tells that part of your brain that's searching for fear. You're safe. You're supported. You're loved. You're connected. And it's okay. Whatever yeah. it is going on will be okay. Yep. My mom was always still a little... You know, the little <laughs> blow the kiss kind of thing. She's a little <laughs> more delicate about it. <laughs> but dad was the bear hugger. Yeah. So we've identified that say that we have something. We've mm. got something is going on. You hit all the branches going down. Yeah. We admit or we're on the verge of admitting that we're in burnout. Yeah. What is the first step that we, we need to deal with to sort of get back on a path to, to healing again? So the first thing I do with people I call life pruning And this is especially important when it comes to caretakers. We need to look at the plates that you're carrying and realize which ones can get put down, held by other people. There's, I promise you, and this sounds almost insulting to say, but you're probably carrying a couple plates that like no one needs you to carry. And you can just really just put them down and forget about it. Just because it makes you feel important doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do it, right? Right. So there's a couple places. Teach somebody else to do it if need be. Uh, There's some things that really just don't need to be done. I don't need to cook a meal every night. Somebody else can do it. Yeah. Or I can order food. But there's people that I know that are like, well, you know, I'm I'm iron my mother's like pajamas. Like, stop ironing your mother's pajamas. pajamas. Well, that's a like. But this is what I'm saying. There are things on your plate that are just unnecessary. They don't need to get done. So take them off your plate. And then we start looking at what things can be delegated successfully. And what does it mean to you to release them? Will you still feel worthy? Are you stuck in some sort of, if I don't do all these things for all these people, then I'm not paying my parents back enough for what they gave me. I'm not being a good enough daughter. I'm not there's a, a, a there's a lot of in a, in many religions. So this does not head stuff. There's a lot of head stuff. There's a lot of martyrdom in the caretaking space that says, "Very much so." I will sacrifice for your benefit. So the more I sacrifice, the better I am. So we have to work through what things can we delegate, and then manage the emotional release of 
I'm still good enough if I don't do all of these things. We talked about this a little bit before, mm -hmm. and you called it guilt. Sometimes it's guilt, and sometimes it's I don't know if I'm enough if I don't do it all. It's almost a dependency, right? A codependency, yes. Yeah. I've seen that in a number of conversations and yeah. how the anger of, of a family of siblings not contributing. Yes. Well, and nobody said that that's the rule. Like you decided as the caretaker that you were going to do this and that that was the rule, but you decided that because you're doing it, you think everyone else should do it too. And they didn't decide that. Or you didn't tell them what you needed. Yeah. To help with. And some of them are going to decide not to do it because you're, we're not actually obligated to care for our parents. You're, you're absolutely right. But if you feel like you are and your sibling doesn't, there's no conversation to be had. And that's okay. But then yeah. you have to figure out how to get the support elsewhere. Exactly. And how to release the martyrdom that you're doing it and your sibling isn't. Yeah. Because you're the good one. You're the sacrificial one. You're the, right? Quite frankly, the anger of seeing at the parent yeah. for getting old because they yep. weren't a good parent. Yep. And now it's your responsibility to do so. Actually, an, a number of, probably about last year, I remember talking to a gentleman who said, I hate my mother. Absolutely hate my mother. She's a horrible person. My dad divorced her years back yeah. because she's a horrible person. My sister hates her. I'm giving her money and I don't want to do that. What do I yeah. do? And we came up with the solution and he said, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I won't say what it is because yeah, it's his it, was, it was his choice. Yeah. Ultimately, he said, thank you. You just saved my own. You saved my life. Yeah. So we have to work through that portion of if I release this bit of the responsibility, how do I handle how I feel about myself? How do I face that? It's very interesting over the course of my own caregiving life. Yeah. When I did assign tasks to others, which yeah. I learned to do very early on, yeah. very quickly, because it was for my own mental health and yeah. physical health, as, yeah. as well as the well-being. You know, my parents didn't want me to have to do that either. So yeah. how do I manage and balance it? I used to call it mom and dad ink. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just another business, right? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, but it yeah, really was. Yeah. And any time I found a solution that took a big chunk of weight and time off of me, mm -hmm. it would almost sometimes felt like physically the weight was taken yeah. off your shoulders and you could yeah. breathe again. Yeah. It's amazing how you physically react to things like that. Yes, 100%. So think about when you are carrying those things and you feel that heaviness, what is your body physically doing? What your body is physically doing is contracting your muscles. Yeah. So now you're increasing tension and you're decreasing blood flow. And that means tension to the brain and blood flow to the brain exactly. and all those parts and to of the, the brain gut. that are shrinking and dying. Yeah. Right. So create an onset of Alzheimer's for yourself. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, and, and it will decrease the amount of blood going to your gut as well. So then you're not digesting yeah. as well. So you're not getting the best nutrients from your food, which and again, your, your body reacts. Every, it affects everything. Yeah. You become sick. Yeah. You become infirmed and then the one who needs help and then nobody's there to help you. Right. Because you've isolated yourself. So it becomes this giant vicious circle. Exactly. So as we're going through this process, I often ask people, I know that there's a, a huge focus on gratitude in the life coaching community. And that's useful when you're not burnt out. But when you are burnt out, gratitude will get you nowhere. You literally, you don't feel it anyway. I was about to say, it's hard to feel gratitude. It yeah, really, you don't it feel it. It's horrible. You can... You can logically say why you should feel gratitude, but you don't actually have the emotional component. Yeah. Right. So so I ask people to do resentment journals instead of gratitude journals. Ooh. So let's figure out where all the resentment is lying, where all this weight you're carrying is. Mm -hmm. And then we use that and transform those things into your future boundaries. Everywhere you have resentment, a boundary should be. 
Excellent. And you need to decide, right? So this is how after we get rid of the initial easy stuff, we start looking at the harder stuff. Where do we need to set boundaries in order to keep you safe and healthy? I resent my siblings. I resent mom and dad. I resent the people mm-hmm. I work with. Mm-hmm. I resent... I resent making breakfast every morning. It might be breakfast. So let's deal with breakfast. What do we need to do? Who do we need to talk to? How do we need to say it? What do we need to have in place? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that you don't actually alienate and hurt people around you either. Exactly. Because the minute you get resentful, you turn nasty. And kindness helps on both sides. Woo, 100%. If you're kind to somebody and you get a reaction, it feels good. Yes, exactly. Right. So then once we go through those things and we're working through the resentment, you're starting to get some energy back now. Because you're not as weighed down by all of these things that you were carrying a few weeks ago. You're able to catch your breath again. You're able to catch your breath. You have a little more energy. Things are starting to go better. Now we do things like adding in techniques that help to reestablish your brain function and size and shape. Reset your nervous system. One of these tools is called yoga nidra. You know, like at the end of a yoga class, Mm -hmm. when you're laying in shavasana in corpse pose and the yoga teacher says, you know, relax the skin on your forehead, relax the skin of your scalp, like relax, let your eyeballs fall back and you turn into butter on the floor. I fall asleep. And yes, (laughs) I do. (laughs) Right. That's yoga nidra. It's a, it's called body scan in the West. And it's just a step-by-step guided instruction of releasing tension from your body, head to toe or toe to head, depending on who's reading it, doesn't matter. Doing yoga nidra for 11 minutes a day for 30 days has shown to decrease that part of your brain that has grown and increase that part of your brain that has shrunk. Whoa. Yes. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. But poof. And you can do it for free, right? It's on YouTube. It's inside Oh, there's lots of things like that on YouTube. Right? There's, you can get this for free and you don't have to do an hour every day. You need 11 minutes. 10 to 11 yeah. minutes. That's it. Every night before you go to exactly. bed. Exactly. It helps you sleep better too if you do it before bed. So then you have more nourishing sleep. So you wake up with more energy in the morning. And then, so now not only are you getting the benefit of the yoga nidra itself, but you're getting the added benefit of a better night's sleep, which restores your body better, gets your nutrients going better, gets your digestion going better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? I've used sound baths. Yeah, beautiful idea. Oh my gosh, I just throw it on my phone and really quiet a couple of times a week just to take the edge off and yes. Exactly. Out in in like minutes. That's a great way to tap into your nervous system and get that release that we need for these things to come back online. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the basic sort of process that we use to get people through. This is fabulous. This is fabulous. One one last question, because I could go on for hours (laughs) with you, but... uh, (laughs) And then I'd burn you out. That wouldn't be so good. (laughs) I have boundaries. Don't worry. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Like my brain might shrink too much in the front. I don't know. Or the back. I don't know. <laughs> One of the things that beyond setting boundaries that I think is is critical for those that are in the sandwich generation right yeah. now that are working, taking care of kids, and now taking care of an aging parent because the age of a caregiver has actually decreased significantly over the past couple of years. Typically, it would start at around 49, 50, but there are many in their 30s and even some 20s that are, are doing this, which is incredibly stressful because you don't have, you haven't had the chance to have your own right. life in many cases right. at this point. And now you're giving up, I put in quotes, giving up your life because you haven't set the boundaries for caring for somebody else because either you're supposed to or whatever yeah. else, or you feel that you're supposed to. 
how do you trust to go back to your employer and say, I need help? Uh, you don't. I don't think. You try and you... You don't trust the employer? You don't go no, to them you and go, say, you need help? you go with the knowledge that anything could happen. You can't trust what their response will be because you don't know what their response will be. But you can't gather that da data in order to make a unless decision you unless it. you try. So you have to go and say something and see what happens. You were saying earlier, you know, you might ask and ask and ask. If you ask and ask and ask and you're not getting what you need, it might be time to create an exit strategy and create a, a, a place for where I could go next. I'm not, don't quit your job without another job lined up. I'm not saying no, no, that. No, 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 I'm not, yeah, that. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, we're not talking about a privileged situation where you could let your job go and it wouldn't matter. We're talking about how do we set up what you need in a way that will support the life that you are currently living if you can't get it where you are. But you can't get it where you are unless you ask. That's true. You have to be willing to go out on a limb to see if they will respond yes. and say, yes. how do I get the help? Yes. There's another thing there that, that I would add to that is if you're in that situation and you're not going to get the help, before you start looking for the next job, try and make sure that you are at least on a, on a level field where you don't bring that resentment and part of that burnout with you to the next one because you'll never interview well. Yeah. And you'll just you'll just bring it back. This is the this is part of the exit yeah. strategy. It, it is it's part of building up the right. plan to yes. land well, right? Yes. And in a better place. Yes, exactly. And sometimes I think you have to be really careful when you're going to talk to your HR department, your manager, whoever it is you need to talk to to make something happen. Don't drop hints. We do a lot of hinting to people. Oh, be very direct. And say, I'm in this situation. I need your help. What do you suggest? I would go even further and say, I'm in a situation. This is what I believe I need. I'm not sure how much of the company can meet me there. Can you tell me where the middle ground is between my needs and yours? Here's my suggestions. Go in with an option. A, go in with a plan with an option that they can then negotiate with you, right? If you offer them nothing, Excellent. they'll offer you the least amount that they can. Because, well, first of all, it's least expensive and they already know exactly. they've got a problem, which is you, right. you're the problem. But if you become part of the solution, as exactly. the old adage goes, then you're, you're working together as a team or part of your community that you are now rebuilding exactly. to help you through exactly. this whole process. So you have to show up and say, this is what's going on in my world. This is the type of support I need. This is what I think would be the best possible plan for me. Exaggerated a little bit. So there's negotiation room right? Like don't freak out and cry. Try and go in. You ha This is why we create the facts, right? Because they need the background story right. for a little bit of grace, but they don't need the sob story. They just need the information. Because they'll be afraid right. of the emotion. So they, but they exactly. deal with the facts. So you go in, you give them the facts, and then you give them a possible solution that they can come back and say, well, we can do this and we can do that. And you might not know, but there's this other option too. Maybe that would be better. There might be something more that you never exactly. even expected. This particular environment that we're in today and talking about is only going to increase as the age of the population increases. So the good news is that there's more of us yeah. going through it. The challenging news is that there is more <laughs> of us going through it at the same time. But, yeah. and, and our work environments in our society here in the United States is not entirely sure what and to do. And they will have to adjust because there will be no choice coming up shortly. There will be no option. They will have to adjust in some way, shape, or form. We don't have enough young people to replace us if we all but leave. Just like anything, right. But just like anything, if we don't come to the table with some 
some yeah. options and solutions to share. Just telling somebody you've got a problem when they have no idea what it's like is not going to no. not going to create a landing pad I think for that, you is, is the term I'm going to use, right? Exactly. And, and when you walk in with something that big and people have no knowledge because you've been keeping it to yourself because you don't want to share yourself at work and then they freak out. Yeah. Of course they do. So when we're sharing boundaries and needs with people, we have to create space for people to also react. So if you don't have a clear plan, but you need to have this conversation tomorrow, you start by saying, hey, listen, I'm going to sort of drop something on you. And then we can finish the discussion on Monday because we're both going to need to think about it a little bit. Don't expect to go in and have the whole conversation. Drop the bomb yeah, on them because this it. is dropping a bomb on somebody. It sure right? is. Sure is. Especially if you've got an employee or even another family member that doesn't know what to do right. and didn't even know that this was happening exactly. behind the scenes, right? Exactly. So there's a lot of, I think, talk back about like, well, companies aren't supportive. and But what would you do? But if they don't know it's Right. What would you do if somebody came to you on a Tuesday out of nowhere and said, I need to go back to only working 30 hours a week and I can't come in until 11 every morning because I have to make sure my mother changes her diaper before I get out of the house. They haven't even planned They this. don't even know what you're talking about. Right, right. They're like, wait a second, it's Tuesday at, 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 at 1.30. At, what are we doing here? So we have to give people space. This is critical. So it's gently letting somebody yeah. into your life in a way that gives them yes. a little dignity and respect and you yes. some gentle grace to be able exactly. to get the help that you need. And that's probably the only way I can describe it because we're so used to doing the work environment, just going. Yeah. And then saying head they headbutted me back. Well, right? yeah, you went in there with a headbutt. What did you expect? Yeah. This has been fabulous, Kate. I, I so appreciate everything that you're doing and sharing a bit of your story and that you've been there too, just like many of us have been in, in well, no, you may not, not have been in the caregiving role yet, but you cared yes. for yourself. And that's important. We as family caregivers, as much as we do for mom and dad or a spouse or anybody else that we do, even if you're raising kids, it's time to say we also, as trite as it sounds, we have to take care of ourselves in so many ways. But we just have to identify when we have gotten stuck in, in our own Yeah, mud. so look for the resentment. Yeah. It'll be your shining light beacon every time. You will learn to love resentment the same way I do because it's such a beautiful sign. Every time I see it, I say, oh, it's how I build my business. It's how I change my prices. It's how I decide if I'm going to do another speaking event that week. As soon as it starts to bubble up, I think, oh, how interesting, right? It's interesting to me now. Why am I, why am I resentful Yeah, I'm feeling that, right? resentful about this. I thought that I liked this and wanted this. Why am I feeling resentful about this? No. Now it's like an interesting little playtime I get to have. It's part of the puzzle to, yes. end, to come to a solution that's going to make you feel better exactly. and take that weight off your shoulders yeah. and give you more opportunity and joy ultimately. Exactly. In the end. So you'll learn to love it and not even be afraid of it and be like, wow, I'm feeling resentful. So interesting. What needs to be put into place? I'm going to look for all my resentment <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Thank Kate. I will, I, I will be back to you and let's do another show together again to. real soon. I'd love to do so. Thank you so much. Have a great day and I, I honor you and appreciate you as a guest here. Thank you. Thank you. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies a step-by-step -step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. 
All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021 Caremanity LLC.